Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm so glad that you are joining me today. I'm Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from very, very dry Cat Swamp Road. And hopefully the sound of my voice has things going well for you in your operation and in your life. But we get together here every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern and then again on Sunday at 6 p.m. exclusively on Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 147. And if you miss an episode or you want to hear this guy again for some reason, all right, then all you have to do is go to my website, FarmMachineryDigest.com or any major podcast hosting site. And the episode will be uh, up as a podcast one week after it airs on Sirius XM. So it is always there for you to reference because we're all about education here. And I have some pins. You know, the past couple of weeks I didn't give last week I didn't give a pin any pins in my map because the people didn't give me their locations. But I have. Four, I was blessed with four pins. And if you don't know what that's about, I have a big map in my office which is in my farmhouse in the basement. And I have a map of the world because we have listeners around the world uh, for the Idle Chatter podcast in 89 countries and also I, and for 89 countries with this show as a podcast. And I want people to reach out to me so I know where you listen from. I'd like to learn a little bit about your operation only so I can make the content of my show more focused towards you. I'm not going to stalk you. Believe me, I'm not a stalker. All right. I just want to know about you. So, of course, if I don't know about you, how can I do? How can I make the show better? So, I have four pins this week. Mr. Bob Smith from Fair Play, South Carolina. I have Pat from DeWitt, Iowa. Mr. Ben Cheney from Hebbardsville, Kentucky. And Mr. Thomas Adams from uh, Elliottsburg, Pennsylvania. So those four people gave me pins in my map. So I want to thank you so much. And all four of you, Mr. Smith, Mr. DeWitt, I mean, excuse me, Mr. Mr. Pat, that was DeWitt, Iowa, Mr. Cheney, and Mr. Adams, thank you so much and welcome aboard. And we have two winners for the Hot Rod Farmer license plate. And those are names that I pull out randomly from the pins in the map. Mr. John Pulver from Scranton, Pennsylvania. And then Sally and Jeff or Joff McMullen from Atwood, Ontario, Canada. So I need Mr. Pulver and Mr. and Mrs. McMullen to reach out to me at Hot Rod Farmer at FarmMachineryDigest.com. And uh, I will get that Hot Rod Farmer license plate out to you. And thank you so much for giving me a pin a while back and for entering that contest. And, uh, you know, as I started to say, we're very, 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 very dry here. And... Uh, but I think it's time for us to go to a quick break. But before, and I'll talk about that right after the break. But, but what is today's show is going to be about? Today's show is going to be about what an engine's octane requirement is telling you about what's going on inside. And there's a you know with, there's a lot of bad information about octane and about octane demand of engines. And I want to debunk that. All right, because uh, some of it is true. But it's true, it's, you know, right church, wrong pew. But remember that agriculture runs on machinery, but profits on reliability. (laughs) 
Sirius XM's Rural Radio. The agribusiness and western lifestyle channel. Your information. We'll talk markets, agronomy, machinery, and cover the real-time issues affecting farmers and ranchers in Canada and all of North America. Your channel. We explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. The agribusiness and western lifestyle channel. Sirius XM 147 and on the SXM app. The U.S. Drought Monitor is produced weekly with input from 10 authors, several hundred climatology, weather, and academia experts. And you. How? Brian Fuchs of the National Drought Mitigation Center explains. For the public, we have tools that individuals anywhere in the country can provide feedback of what's going on in their neck of the woods. It's a process called CMOR reporting. It's Condition Monitoring Observer Reports is what CMOR stands for. And there's a simple form that anyone can fill out. It's public and there's a link to it. They are able to tell this is what locally is happening. This is what the response to drought has been. Some of them also provide photographs. Hey, this is what my stock pond looks Looks like it's typically full this time of year, and now you can see it's receded several feet. The web address to locate the Seymour reporting page is www.go.unl.edu slash CMOR underscore the word drought. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This is Sean Haney. If you're serious about ag, it's time to get real and get connected with Real Ag Radio. We'll talk markets, agronomy, machinery, and cover the real-time issues affecting farmers and ranchers in Canada and all of North America. It's your go-to source for the latest ag news, impacting producers on both sides of the 49th parallel. Get real and get connected with Real Ag Radio at 4.30 Eastern, and don't miss the replay at 7 in the morning on Rural Radio 147 and the Sirius XM app. Welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, that guy with that funny voice. And before we went to break, I was telling you I was going to talk about how dry it is here. Well, it is dry. And uh, the other day, I had to go to the, to the southern part of Warren County, and the one road was closed. It's a country road. I don't know why it was closed. So I had to take some other back roads, which I haven't been on for, I guess, uh, I'm not going to say for uh, maybe a couple. I haven't been on, let's say, for a year. And boy, the the corn over there, it looked like, I'm not going to say it looked like, like onion stalks, but it's just terrible, terrible. And uh, our corn, my first four plantings, uh, just experienced everything under the sun, cold and wet in the beginning, which stunted it from coming up. Then it got flooded out and five inches of rain, and that washed all my pre away and washed a lot of my end away and drove everything down deep into the soil. And then I went and did some foliar feeding with that, that it kind of perked, it, it did, I shouldn't say it kind of, it perked everything up and actually looked quite beautiful, but then the good Lord shut the rain off. So uh, I have, and it seems that the MOI, you know, before we talk about octane, you know, being a farmer, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing, we all do the same thing, right? We look at everybody else's crops and, and I guess, you know, misery loves company. And as a Christian, I don't really want to say that, but I know that one of the, one of my personality faults, and my wife would claim I have, and claim rightfully that I have many of them, is that when something doesn't go well on the farm, I always blame myself. 
And I know I do the best I possibly can, but I'm just a type of person who I should have done this, I should have done that. Or I, I really, when I do that, I can't even think of what I should or should have done because I did everything to the best of my ability without cutting any corners. And if the good Lord doesn't bring any rain, he doesn't bring any rain. But I went across the highway to, uh, there's some field corn there, but I don't know, about 250 acres. And it's rented land from the state and, uh, so I went across the highway to look at that because it was planted around the same time my first planting was. And uh, same, uh, riding around Warren County, I see a lot of, in my own farm, and my first four plantings, the stalk looks beautiful. It didn't curl the leaves, it didn't do anything, but it did not have enough rain to make a full ear. So, and I have a lot of small ears that are unmarketable for me. Uh, my neighbor across the highway, he's going to put it through a combine. He's not going to get much, but he'll get something. And then the squirrels and the raccoons hit me hard. So I'm praying that the other acreage, my other plantings, five through nine, that the good Lord will bless and that will be, uh, I will be able to get something out of it. But it's yet to be seen. Some of that looks, it's funny because the seventh planting is bigger than the fifth planting because it's all different weather conditions. But what have you but i need to give you that update of course we're farmers right we got to talk about our crops and uh this farming thing really gets to you sometimes i mean it's uh it is a very humbling humbling profession and it drives you just to trust in the lord and do the best you can and leave the consequences to him but today we're going to be talking about octane and you know there's a lot of debate going on about octane and i've done a show early on about octane and another one about cetane they're completely different one is in diesel fuel one is in gasoline but today we're going to be talking about octane and you have to recognize that the definition of octane has nothing to do with the power the gasoline has has nothing to do whatsoever the definition of octane is the fuel's ability to resist combustion auto combustion to self-ignite from pressure and or heat so basically in essence what it is is the octane of gasoline is its ability to like a racehorse waiting in the gate or if you're a drag race drag racer like me that you lit the pre-stage bulb and you lit the stage bulb and the thing is on the is on on the two-step and on the trans brake sitting there rocking back and forth waiting for waiting for the light for the, that you know that uh that green light to go and release the release the trans brake in a two-step so it's sitting there waiting right and so that's what octane is in gasoline because the whole idea is that you want to have a normal combustion event anything that is not a normal combustion event meaning that the fuel pre-ignited by itself through pressure or heat that's called abnormal combustion makes sense right so we have normal combustion abnormal combustion so the definition of a normal combustion event is the fuel waiting for the arcing of the spark plug the definition of an abnormal event is something is when the fuel ignites from pressure and or heat that doesn't mean it's not going to have another ignition event from the spark plug but pressure and or heat so uh, so when you have an abnormal event you could actually have two to three flames expanding in the bore at the same time which is not good and that's why you hear knock or ping it's actually a combination of the flames colliding and then the shock wave from those fl flames the collision of those flames in the cylinder shaking the piston the rod and the bearing but you know it's common today well i say today it's probably the past 25 or 30 years for you really not to hear an engine 
and I'll use the word knock or ping. That's that's a lay person's term because in engineering, you want to identify whether it's pre-ignition or post-ignition. So in other words, and we call it the rogue flame front. It's like a bad guy, a rogue rogue agent, right? They went rogue, a secret agent went rogue. So uh, the rogue flame front. So if it happens prior to the for the arcing of the spark plug then that's pre-ignition if it happens after the arcing of the spark plug that's post-ignition but we're not even going to get involved with that so but the past 25 or 30 years almost every engine has what they call a closed loop timing control and we're talking gasoline obviously and i'm talking about a road vehicle not a lawn uh, not a lawnmower or a utv they could have they could have a, uh, have closed loop timing also but probably they probably do not but anyway, and what closed loop timing control simply means is that the engine is fitted with what they call a knock sensor, K-N-O-C-K. So what it is, is it's a piezoelectric accelerometer. Think of that as a fancy word, electrical engineering word of an electronic tuning fork. And this 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 piezoelectric accelerometer, which is a knock sensor, abbreviated KS knock sensor, is someplace on the engine. It could be on the engine block historically, it could be in the intake manifold. And what they do during engineering is they des- they they identify the the frequency that is going to be caused these uh, the sound frequency is going to be caused by an abnormal combustion combustion event in the engine so just like you could hear you could be on the radio and you could or flipping around dials and you hear this guy from new jersey say, that's that hot rod farmer's voice right or you could go someplace, someplace else that's this guy's voice or that's that singer's voice that you know them so a com- so an abnormal combustion event in a gasoline engine has a certain i'm going to say voice print or sound print so if you had arguably let's say a 6.4 liter chrysler hemi in a ram truck versus a 4.6 ford in an f-150 or a a 5.3 liter in in a chevy or gmc that the sound that it's going to produce the frequency of the, the of the noise during abnormal combustion is going to be different to your ears if you hear it it may not sound that much different but when you're looking at it electronically that it is different so what they do is that they tune this knock sensor to pick up the level of noise that they want so that doesn't mean it picks up every knock, but it's going to pick up the level of noise that they want. Why do they do that? Is because they have what is called closed loop timing control. And this closed loop timing control has a timing curve that's, and this curve is, is electronic. It's in the ECU. It's part of the calibration. Years ago, you had a mechanical advance, a vacuum advance in the position of the, of the distributor, which is your timing curve. But this is all the electronic now. And they have this timing curve to what they want to have the engine achieve is the maximum brake torque, what they call MBT. Because if you could have it achieved the maximum brake torque, so the timing curve is designed for maximum brake torque. And historically, it's maximum brake torque minus 2 to 5%. So you could say, why is it 2 to 5 Why might I want, don't they want the, the most? Well, yes, just like you as a farmer want the most yield, but what they do is that they say, well, we have maximum brake torque, and then if we have this tuned to maximum brake torque, which would be the spark advance curve, is that the engine is going to be right on the ragged edge <clears throat> of having an abnormal combustion event. So if the, if the fuel quality is a little bit poorer, the engine builds some carbon deposits or gets some oil going past the cylinder, <clears throat> excuse me, past the rings, 
That's going to make it have abnormal combustion. So we'll take 2 to 5% away from that. Not 2 to 5% meaning degrees. We're going to kill 2 to 5% of the maximum brake torque, MBT. And that's how the engine is shipped out to the consumer, to you, right? And that makes no difference. And, you know, people buy an aftermarket calibration, super chips or hypertech or somebody else. And what they basically do, that area, that two to 5% is called the spark knock zone. And it's SKZ. Everything is an acronym today. So it's SKZ. So what they do is they identify the spark knock zone and they bring it down two to 5% as far as power is concerned. And then when you buy that aftermarket calibration, it's bringing it closer to the spark knock zone. All right, so what does this mean to you about octane? So what happens is then you look in the owner's manual of any engine, it's going to tell you that it requires a minimum of 87 octane fuel or 92 octane fuel, whatever it may be. And And what the calibration that the engine leaves the factory with is tuned for that fuel and then with this knock sensor what it basically does is it listens it listens if there's any abnormal combustion and when it listens for abnormal combustion then what it's going to do it's going to pull timing out which we would say retarding the timing all right so it's always in relation to top dead center so if it's if it's before top dead center it's advanced because you're giving the flame a head start to keep up with the piston and if it's after top dead center it's retarded but keep in mind that that it doesn't necessarily mean that it's after top dead center. So let's put some numbers to this, easy numbers. So let's say that this engine is calibrated for 10 degrees of spark advance. So 10 degrees before top dead center, we're going to initiate the the, the arcing of the spark plug. And then here's some detonation. So what it's going to do, abnormal combustion may pull out two degrees, three degrees. There's an advanced algorithm that listens to the frequency. If you were to put an oscilloscope on the knock sensor, you would see that it creates a frequency like a voice pattern. All right, so it says, okay, based upon that amount of knock, it's going to pull some timing out. But keep in mind, it has to knock first so it's just like when you're doing you know putting a fungicide on a crop if you have no disease on your crop and you put a fungicide on it you get zero yield if you have zero yield bump i should say and if you have some disease and you keep it at bay and the plant is healthier then you get a yield bump same thing happens with a knock sensor so now the thing that i'm trying to bring about over here is that if you have an engine a gasoline engine and you put a higher octane fuel in it then then the owner's manuals calls for and you and you know and they've got all these car companies i don't care whether it's american or domestic i mean american or foreign they got a whole cadre of lawyers with them all right they're more probably lawyers than engineers sadly and i don't i think that's an exaggeration on my part but you know what i'm going with so i say a minimum of 87 octane so if you have an engine that's running and you put 87 octane you go down the road you're very happy all right now you try putting 89 octane in it and you go down the road and your fuel economy improves and the engine seems better then that means that you were seeing some knock retard all right from the original calibration and now why would you be seeing knock retard and i've gone round robin with this but i did calibrations is that the whole idea is that the oe the original equipment the car manufacturer does not want that engine to knock and why doesn't it want it to knock for the simple reason being is that there's an emission called oxides of nitrogen 
And uh, we, we got very familiar with that with diesels because of EGR and SCR, selective catalytic reductions to control oxides and nitrogen. And the component, which is the Zeldovich equation, what creates oxide and nitrogen is pressure, heat, and exposure time. And when you have an abnormal combustion event in a cylinder of a gasoline engine is that you spike the oxides of nitrogen. And what people have to recognize is that the car manufacturer has to certify that engine for an emissions and one of the emission tests is oxides of nitrogen so they're not going to send the calibration out that's always going to go into abnormal combustion all right so they're going to send out if it's tuned for 87 octane they're going to send out that it has a normal combustion event on 87 octane fuel because they don't want to spike the oxides of nitrogen now nobody's going to tell you this but me and i'm not bragging all right so the thing is that so if you had an engine and it it always ran very well on 87 octane checked your fuel economy did everything it's always the same on 87 octane and as it gets as it gets older meaning more mileage on it and now it needs 89 octane to get the same performance and fuel economy it had in 87 i don't care how you get that octane whether you get it through iso octane whether you buy e15 or e20 or e30 but the thing is we're looking at here we're looking at a response like putting a fungicide or a nutrient on a crop and looking at it looking for a response so if my corn is not boron limited if my corn is not not nitrogen limited all right that, that has enough nitrogen i could put more n on it or more b and it's going to do absolutely nothing right because it doesn't need it so the same thing happens with an engine so if you go and you put higher octane fuel in an engine and you get an improvement in fuel economy i'm not even going to say with driving a throttle response because lots of times that's a placebo effect you think it runs better and it really doesn't but if you get that improvement in fuel economy then what is basically happening is that and i'll take this to the bank and people fight with me over it is that that engine has got carbon deposits in it or it's starting to push some oil past the rings but usually it's carbon deposits on the piston crown and on the back of the intake valve and that is what's holding heat in there and and it's it's and it's not having a nice air fuel nice nice mixture in that cylinder if you were to treat that engine with three or four tankfuls of probably some sort of not probably some sort of fuel system cleaner like chevron tecron seafoam there's a lot of good ones out there but it's going to take a couple of tankfuls that you will most likely see that octane demand go back down to where it was and the fact of the matter is is that an engine that's constantly requiring more and more octane is building deposits there is a reason for it so it's something for you to keep in mind and it's a good telltale so the octane demand of your engine if it's changed just like anything like your eyes i used to be able to read that sign and now i need glasses showing that something is going on and that's something that going on for the most part is carbon deposits there's other issues that could be but they'll be the engine running too hot or pushing oil past it but historically it is just carbon deposits
Justin Mills here, rancher and host of the Working Ranch Radio Show, inviting you to join us on Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147. We'll go in-depth on topics that are relevant to the beef industry, plus we'll hear from meteorologist Don Day on the long-term weather outlook, and the Captain Tim O'Byrne with Working Ranch Magazine will stop in for Tim's Two Cents. So join us on Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern for the Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio Channel 147 Sirius XM. Stay informed with the latest news of agriculture with American Ag Today every weekday morning on Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and I want to invite you to join the conversation as we talk the latest news, market information, ag technology, innovation, weather, and more on American Ag Today. That's every weekday at 6.52 Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. This Urban Ag Report is brought to you by FMOWheels.com, the digital CSA for urban communities supporting urban farmers everywhere. With population levels set to reach 9.7 billion by 2050, more mouths to feed calls for food production methods that are both eco-friendly and resource conscious. The world's wild fish stocks are decreasing and production of farmed fish has doubled in the last 15 years. By moving these farms onto land, commercial-scale aquaponics operations could revolutionize food production. It's a closed-loop system where fish and veggies are grown together using recirculated water, Aquaponic systems can be set up anywhere, enabling companies like Superior Fresh in Wisconsin to grow 200,000 pounds of salmon and 3 million pounds of salad greens using just six acres of land, all in a landlocked state in the dead of winter. This has been the Urban Ag Report on Rural Radio Sirius XM Channel 147. Follow us at urbanagreport.com. Alrighty, welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. And what's what we're going to do now is we're going to ask you, come on with me, come on, we're going to meet me in the farm shop. Come on, you don't have to come to New Jersey, just grab a seat and meet me in the farm shop segment is next. But Tex Rubinowitz from Ripsaw Records is going to sing first. He's the hot rod man. I'm the hot rod farmer. He's the hot rod man. Well, I'm a rolling daddy with a mean machine. It's got to be and it sure is clean. I'm a hot rod man. Yeah, I'm a hot rod man. Alrighty, Tex, thank you so much. So today, when you're in the farm shop with me, what we're going to discuss is tire temperature. And it's very important for you to recognize the temperature of the tire when you're checking air pressure or putting air in it. So sit down and I'll explain it to you. Before checking the pressure in a tire or topping it off, it is imperative that you are first aware of its temperature. Employ an infrared non-contact thermometer for this. Taking a reading is necessary since air is elastic. It expands when hot and contracts when cold. For every 10 degrees Fahrenheit change in temperature, the pressure in the tire is altered by one pound. If the tire had 40 pounds per square inch in the shop at 65 degrees and then was outside at 95 degrees, the pressure would increase to 43 pounds. Conversely, at the same shop temperature in the winter, when brought outside to 5 degrees Fahrenheit, the tire would now have only 34 pounds. So you may want to consider a nitrogen fill instead of air, since it is much more stable. And that's something you really have to recognize, is that for every 10 degrees Fahrenheit change, hotter the pressure goes up, 
lower the pressure goes down and it's important in the winter it's important in the summer but it's also important to recognize that in almost every i shouldn't say in almost every instance in every instance when the compressor is running in your shop and it's heating up the air so if the compressor kicks on when you're filling up a tire track the tire car tire any tire all right it is not it's going to have hotter air going into it and that is why lots of times you'll check the pressure and you say okay it's at whatever 35 pounds and then you'll go back later on and the next day and it cools off and you say even though the ambient temperature is the same is that that you have lost some pressure because the air coming from the com- from the compressor was heated so don't go crazy with this i always use an infrared temperature gun to check my tire pressures i take the temperature first and then you can modify it based upon what your desired goal is so if you want to go out into the field and you want 12 pounds in a tractor tire and it's hotter than it's going to be outside or what have you you just modify that and you will be good good to go so i want to thank you so much for tuning in and i want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved american you have a blessed day and i'll catch you next week be safe and hopefully everybody gets some rain Hi, everybody. This is Matt Breckwald, farmer and former police officer with a rural crime prevention tip just for you. Did you know that law enforcement in the United States only solve about one out of every five cases they receive when there's no information about who the suspect is? Think about that. 80% of the time, the bad guy gets away with the crime because they have remained unidentified. This is why it is so important to call the authorities when you see somebody or somebody's vehicle that is suspicious to you. The sooner you call, the sooner a deputy can start driving towards the area. And the sooner they start towards the area, the better the chance that that person or vehicle will still be there when they arrive. Even though this is essential to solving crimes and identifying suspicious people, citizens are still very hesitant to call the authorities. When asked why they did not call, most people will say that they didn't think it was important enough, they thought somebody else would call for them, or they were worried that somebody else might need more help and not receive it because law enforcement was investigating their call. I want to encourage you to make the call the moment you start asking yourself whether or not you should. Think about it. How often do you really consider calling law enforcement? Probably almost never. So if that thought is present, it is in your mind for a reason. Trust your gut and make the call. You are not wasting anybody's time and nobody with a bigger emergency is going to go without assistance because of your call. Dispatchers and deputies are both well-trained in prioritizing calls. If a higher priority call comes in while they are heading towards your place, they will quickly turn around and head towards the emergency. A lot of criminals get away because people spend valuable time debating over whether or not to make the call. The next time you think you should call law enforcement, dial the number. Your intuition is telling you something that you should listen to. Hear full rural crime episodes of the Off-Farm Income Podcast every Saturday anywhere podcasts are found and enjoy our six-week weekly episodes about the FFA and small business.